That's music by Trevor Patricia Watkin of Access Contemporary Music, and it's for the film Escape by Daniel Lugo, a short film. We're going to feature it as the opener uh, for the virtual presentation of the Sound of Silent Film Festival. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. I started this idea last year during COVID. I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to chat with some of the directors, some of the composers of the Sound of Silent Film Festival. And so uh, normally I post a show on Mondays, but yesterday I was busy schlepping chairs and all of the equipment because we presented the festival. This is the 16th annual Sound of Silent Film Festival this year, and we presented it live in person in a parking lot at VIN 312 in Chicago. And uh, as wonderful as it was, we had 200 people, despite the fact that on the first night it was 40 degrees and the second night it was 80 degrees, which is fairly typical for April slash May in Chicago. Uh, so we had a wonderful time, but despite all of that, it is an enormous amount of work to present a uh, festival outdoors. You have to bring all of the, the tents, the, the chairs, the stage, all the audio equipment, all of that stuff. So Monday we were running around putting everything back. And this weekend will be the virtual presentation of the Sound of Silent Film Festival. We've got a great program on Friday and then a completely different program on Saturday. So you can register to get those links at acmusic.org. We're asking everyone to register because we want to make sure you watch it because we put a lot of time, energy, and money into the presentation and they're very, very high quality. So in the program today, I'm going to chat with a couple of the directors and the composers. Let's start with The Ephemeral Orphanage. This is a wonderful film by Lisa Barsi in which she scanned these paper dolls and then created a narrative around it. And the score is by Natasha Bogayevich. So, um, well, it, it all started by finding the characters the, um, that were actual paper dolls. And, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of collage materials and found materials. So often they, they sit around for a long time before I figure out what to do with them. But I, um, when my grandmother was still alive, um, she lived to be almost 101. So uh, I was you know, over at her house a lot. And um, I found them in her attic and they were hers. And um, and usually when I found something weird like that in the attic, she let me take it home. Um, but, she, you know, she had complete, she didn't even realize she still had them, but they were from when she was a kid. And I, they were from 1923. Uh, and they had been printed in the Chicago Tribune. And, um, you know, they, my, that side of the family were immigrants from Poland. And she just said, yeah, this is what the poor kids played with uh, because you just cut them out of the Sunday paper. Um, but, you know, like a true depression era, grandma never threw away anything. So, um, so I've got a lot of material from that. But what, what was really uh, great for me because I did score quite a few films Traditionally, like you talk to the filmmaker or the um, screen um, screen writer or the dramaturg. I mean, you work as a team or in the theater. This time, you are on your own. You don't really know what the filmmaker wanted, what kind of theme at that moment. So I felt like the music is the drama here. So I created my own theme for the grown-ups and another theme for, for children. Um, I thought that quoting some really, um, it's a paraphrasing of the flower duet. It's not really that I was looking at the score, but 
it was so vivid and so uh, lively to me when I saw the first time child writing, uh, like drawing the flower. And then in the end, we, we have uh, very strange things growing out of these flowers. And that's one reference. The other reference in the beginning is just like a, a beginning of Twinkle Twinkle or Mozart's uh, variation, like a familiar theme that every child knows that the beginning or A, B, C, D, it's so connected to children of all ages, right? And um, I really love doing it. And honestly, you know, that flexitone and other, uh, let's call them sound effects, they're not really a sound effect, but they blended so well with the story that they became their own like light motifs of certain objects or um, themes in the visuals. That's filmmaker Lisa Varsi and composer Natasha Bogayevich talking about the ephemeral orphanage, uh, which is a real tour de force, both in terms of filmmaking and music. That will be on the first program on Friday night, uh, May 7th, and that will be the last thing that we show. And I want to really uh, emphasize the fact that we do strip all of the sound off of the films. Um, and so the composer not only writes a new score, but if there are sound effects that were on the film that are important, they have to find a fun, creative way to uh, reproduce those. And of course, uh, one of the great ways to do that is in the percussion. So Natasha was talking about the flexitone. And in case you don't know what it is, here's ACM percussionist Brent Roman to demonstrate. <laughs> Pretty cool instrument uh, you don't hear every day. The flexitone. Thanks so much to Brent Roman, uh, who is the percussionist on all of the uh, the scores for the Sound of Silent Film Festival. All right, here's the score for The Ephemeral Orphanage by Natasha Bogievich.
Thank you. 
The Ephemeral Orphanage, filmed by Lisa Barsi and score by Natasha Bogievich. That is uh, the last thing that we'll see on Friday's program, Program 1. Again, you can register to watch the Sound of Silent Film Festival at acmusic.org. And if you're listening to this after May 7th, 2021, or May 8th, 2021, you can find it on our YouTube channel, Access Contemporary Music. Let's turn now to a film called Loopy, which is by Max Cianci and Anthony Peduzzi, and a great score by Christina Spinet. So let's just start with Christina. Um, can you talk about um, scoring the film? What, what, what were the things that, that reached out to you about the film originally, and, and how did you start to put together your musical ideas for it? Well, I, it was my first choice. I loved Loopy. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the story and just everything about it. I, I felt like an immediate connection to. So the thing that was important to me was to tell the story of him going back in this never ending loop. And so the first thing I thought about was structure. So when the loop starts again, what is it going to sound like and how is it going to be different than the first time we heard it? Because there's going to be a little bit of a change because it's not exactly the same um, time wise. Uh, so the important thing for me was to capture two different worlds. We have this atmosphere of this abandoned school building. And then we have Max listening to music on his iPod and kind of like not aware of what's going on. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And as he goes into the building, he like sees these little clues and, and little things like that. So I wanted those two worlds to be separate at first. And as the film goes, they just become one. And then we start over again. So structure was the most important thing. Um, I used a lot of, I was telling Max before, I used a lot of extended techniques to capture the texture of the space because one of the things that stood out was all these amazing textures of the abandoned building. You have this chipped paint, you have the sand, obviously. You just have like this destruction, but there's this romantic beauty about it, I think. Um, so the strings are doing a lot of chopping technique to symbolize like the sand and the decay. And I think that texture was a lot of fun to write for. I have um, multiphonics on the bass clarinet which gives it this eerie sound also, and pizzicato on the flute, which also gives it, you know, this, these different timbres that maybe audiences don't know exactly what they are, but they sound kind of creepy and, and kind of cool. So that was important to me also to get this really neat texture and little wisps of melody. Um, and of course, little loops that are in there also. Um, let's talk about the film. So uh, Max, Anthony, when did you get the, the concept for the film? Um, you know, and, and how did you go about filming it during this time? Um, well, uh, the concept came up, oh gosh, I'm trying to think exactly when it was, Anthony. I guess it was February, March, late March. Um, like I was telling Christina earlier, the building that we shot in is right behind where Anthony and I, Anthony and I are roommates in Pittsburgh. It's right up the street from where we live. I was on a walk uh, and, it's, you know, saw the window. I thought the window was really interesting. Just like how in the film, which is crazy that I think about because it's it's rarely as windy as it was, right, Anthony, yeah. on those days. Yeah. Very rare. But on the days that we shot, it, in the day that I was walking there, there were those curtains that were hanging there and they was just sucking inside. And it was like, it was terrifying to see. And I had never seen that happen in that area before. And I was like, wow, that's so, it was fascinating. And I started thinking about the like double, like me up there, me seeing myself thing or whatever. And I started to think about the, the looping thing or whatever. And I was, I was like, that oh, that'd be interesting. And I walked and told Anthony. And um, I remember I was like, I really think this is something. I really think there's, there's something here that is like worth it. And so Anthony and I started workshopping it. And Anthony was the one who brought up the dust idea and bringing that part of it. 
And like Anthony was saying earlier to you, Christina, within 12 hours, we were shooting it, you know, the next morning. Um, and uh, yeah, Anthony, you go ahead. Yeah, so that's pretty much like the, the catalyst for it. But it really was kind of a case of um, we knew about that building. We like we had broken into it before uh, to kind of walk around. We were a little bored in quarantine. Um, but it really was kind of a, a case of like, well, you know, like we nothing's happening. We're not doing anything. So we might as well just do something. And yeah, it was a cool like idea to start with. And like Max was excited about it. It's like, all right, sweet. So then we were like, okay, Max is going to be on camera because we can't get anybody. So you're going to have to act in it too. Like, I guess I'll shoot it. All right, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever we have, like DSLR and uh, I think, and just kitty litter. And it's like, okay, that, yeah. that's what we got. Yeah. Uh, so we're crowning up kitty litter. We have, there's a great pan. I wish I would have brought it that we destroyed. And then, oh, damn. Um, yeah. And the process of making all of that stuff. Then we just went in, like, basically shot it almost chronologically with inside yeah. the space, trying to keep track of like daylight and stuff. That's the only light we had. And yeah. then, you know, by the time we eventually got to like the two dust pile room, um, and we're like, what happens? What happens in this part? Like, we have no idea. We were really making it up as we went along. So we slowly, like, what was supposed to just be like a day shoot became like two and a half days. And like what started as like sneaking around, being quiet, just ended up with us yelling at each other from the, you know, the window to the thing. And which led to uh, a unfortunate, although ultimately harmless uh, interaction with uh, Pittsburgh's finest police department. Uh, which was not ideal. <laughs> but, it, but we were setting up the last shot for the thing and the last shot we thought we needed. And we had like a rehearsal take that we just recorded for the sake of it. And then as soon as that happened, we heard knocks on the door, went outside, got kicked out. And as we're walking away, it was this whole kind of interaction. Max was just like, do you think we got the shot? I'm like, yes, we got the shot. And it's in the movie. And that was the last thing we got. <laughs> we did. We yeah. got it. <laughs> so it was, a real, it was a real patchwork operation, uh, which was really fun because it's, you know, teach, learning how to like improv and figure things out like that was really kind of fun and getting to collaborate as two directors who work on their own things, getting to collaborate together yeah. on something was a lot of fun. Thank you.
That's Loopy by Anthony Peduzzi and Max Cianci. Uh, Max came out from Pittsburgh, too, which was uh, fantastic to have him in Chicago uh, at the festival and to hang out with him afterwards on both nights as well. And the score is by Christina Spinet. Super, super imaginative score. Uh, so looking forward to presenting that virtually this weekend. That'll be on the first program Friday. Let's turn now to a really interesting documentary film. Uh, the films that we get are in all kinds of different categories from experimental to animated comedies, dramedies, dramas, Afro-futurist films, and yes, even documentaries. This is a, an incredible piece of work, in my humble opinion, by Jennifer Bowles, uh, who had the opportunity to work with uh, this enormous archive uh, and uh, create a, uh, a photo archive, of course, and create a documentary about the reversal of the Chicago River and the various and sundry effects that it had. The score is by Kyle Gregory Price, and I had a great chance to chat with both of them. Every director and uh, composer for Sound of Sound Film, some, some don't work together at all. Um, some communicate a little bit, and some work very closely. With, with, with the two of you, did you, did you talk, um, Kyle, did you talk to Jennifer while you were writing the music? Yeah, I reached out to her just to just to get an idea of like what she was getting at with this film. Because to be honest, when I first saw it, when I did the initial run through of all the videos and this one came up, I didn't know what it was about until the very end. Like I had no idea. I was just like, oh, here's this like beautiful imagery. And admittedly, I don't know Chicago history that well. So I didn't recognize any of it until the whole thing finished. And there's this really great like poem at the end and an explanation of what's going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just watched a documentary. It's like really artful documentary on the reversal of the Chicago River. So it was informative on that front. Um, and then I reached out just to be like, you know, kind of like, why did you do this? Uh, what are your thoughts behind it? What was your process behind it? And I, I didn't listen. I also, I listened to the, the first few seconds of the music at first, just to, just to see what the like, was real quickly but then I didn't listen to it all the way through because I didn't really, I didn't want to be too influenced by it at, the, at first but I, I did reach out just to see what she thought about it and what her process was yeah I mean well I was really worried on my end because I'm like oh if he just watches this silent he's just gonna see a slideshow <laughs> and so my that was my biggest fear I was like he's he's totally gonna not understand what I'm doing and um and so but I mean obviously I that's not to like you know, suggest that you can't understand it, but, but so much of that, so much of the, the meaning in this film is, is through the sound design. So, um, I was super nervous about that. Um, was like, you know, and like a lot of the, um, like the, the, what you mentioned about how fast the images move and, and how it feels like this barrage is kind of like this, this rhythm that's supposed to sometimes kind of coincide with the sound and other times kind of move against it, operate against it, kind of as like this performance of, um, well, it's just really a meditation about like capitalism and the history of capitalism and things like that. Um, and so I was like, <laughs> I was concerned, um, but at the same time, that's why I decided to submit because it's also, it's, it's a film that's meant to be somewhat open-ended and it's very conceptual. And in that sense, it's like, you know, as long as it's not like super triumphal, I, I mean, even if it is, who cares? Um, I, I'm really curious just to see how, how it's interpreted, how this, this amazing archive is interpreted. 
Let's hear Kyle's score for the reversal. This is uh, the ACM Musicians again, led by Maestro Chris Ramakers, our wonderful conductor. These recordings were made by our technical director, David Wetzel, and the films, uh, the, uh, the video for the virtual presentation was shot and edited by our videographer, Kim Schlechter. All of this happened at the Nevermore Theater, so I wanna thank all of those people and certainly the Nevermore Theater for allowing us to put all of this together there. And here is the score for the reversal.
Kyle Gregory Price's score for the film The Reversal, this wonderful documentary by Jennifer Bowles. And that will be on the second night, Saturday, May 8th, if you're able to watch it in real time. You can register at acmusic.org. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, check it out on Access Contemporary Music's YouTube channel. I've got time for one more, and that will be The Rabbit and the Snare, a film by Gemma Eve and Callum Hotchkiss, who unfortunately were not able to talk with me for this podcast, but I was able to speak with the composer, Charles Coleman. We were all given um, this cho- many choices of films. And of course, I, as was suggested, we had to look at the film uh, with the sound off because that's how it was going to be presented in performance anyway with the music. So I did that. I looked at all the films and I, you know, I, I just, I, I, lots of factors were involved. I was, I was a very attracted to this. Uh, I was a very attracted to Rabbit in the Snare uh, with regard to this guy in the film who is isolated from the rest of the world. And being that I am a native New Yorker, it is completely the opposite. Uh, we're surrounded by everybody. I mean, the borough of Manhattan is about a million and a half people. And uh, whereas in this film, it, it was just a powerful concept of him just being alone out there. And of course, lots of little details and immediately a lot of music ideas came to me.
Rabbit in the Snare, filmed by Gemma Eve and Callum Hotchkiss, music by Charles Coleman, and that will be on the second night. So again, check it out, acmusic.org or Access Contemporary Music's YouTube channel. Relevant Tones is a program of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Check them out at acmusic.org. And for Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. Thanks so much for listening.